Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access podcast presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. Learn more at boldlynova.com. Back in the Masson Web Studio, Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings joining you. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. Hopefully you're watching live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel. But if not, hopefully you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Masson All Access Podcast. Amy, I am back from Cincinnati. You held the fort down here, back in our studio mm-hmm. over the weekend. How was the, the four-game series for against the Reds for you? Well, it was good. I was kind of multitasking yeah. uh, between the so Nationals. Two-way play. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Between the Nationals and Maryland baseball, yeah. I did quite a few um, games tweeting from the Maryland games. Nice. I had my laptop on my, and I was like up, down, up, down, all around. Um, but it worked. So it was an exciting weekend. Exciting that the Nationals got a series win on the road. How was Cincinnati? Cincinnati was good. Um I had a really good time. It's helpful when they win, right? Four, mm-hmm. Three out of four. It didn't start off so well. An 8-1 loss on Thursday. Um, but the, the, the boys played well, like uh, Davey said. And um, they're just a lot more easy to – not easy to be right, but they're just, like, more relaxed when, when they're mm-hmm. winning. And, you know, they're always kind of more relaxed on the road. The clubhouse is smaller. They can't really hide from us. So, you know, just got able – was able to chat with some guys, which was cool. But – yeah, I mean, the weather was perfect. Cincinnati was great. Um, great American Ballpark is beautiful. I, I recommend it. Um, my only inconvenience, mild inconvenience at uh, Great American Ballpark is, I guess, apparently a couple years ago, they moved the press box, so it's not no longer behind home plate. It's up the third baseline. I guess we're some... It's because they put in some, like, nice suites where the press box ah. used to be, which I get. Like, make your money, build nice suites behind home plates sell them for a bunch of money. I, I get that. Uh, but all the press box access is still back where the original press box is. So to go get go press food, right, to go back to the field, to get to the clubhouse, you have to, like, run back and forth up and down the third baseline, uh, back and forth. That was the only minor That's inconvenience. Yeah. Um, but beautiful park, um, beautiful it, area around the stadium. Does it rank like top five favorite ballparks for you? I don't have been to that many. How many have I been to? Nats, Camden Yards. Camden Yard. I've been to now Oracle Park uh, in San Francisco in 2014 for the NLDS. Minute Maid. Uh, Minute Maid. Yeah, is it, isn't that Thrasher's? Oh, yeah, obviously Minute Maid. <laughs> um, uh, Bush Stadium, Great American Ballpark, Marlins Park. Or Lone Depot Park, whatever. He said I haven't been to that many. That's not that many. That's that's less than 10. Okay. All right. Fair. So, okay. So, let's say, well, out of those. Wrigley. I've been to Wrigley. Uh, It's probably top five. But, I I mean, I'm not going to rank. Camden Yards is my favorite. You know, Camden Yards was opened the year I was born, like literally 10 days after I was born. Or before oh, I was really? born, yeah. Technically, I was at the opening day, but I was not born yet. Uh, my parents were here, yeah. In um, his mom's belly. Yep. Uh, so Camden's number one. I really love San Francisco Park. Wrigley's awesome. Uh, okay, I'll put Great American Ballpark four because Marlins Park. I mean, it's nice, but it's no one's there. It's there's very. Not, there's it nothing just, to do around yeah, it, it. It it reminds me. 
obviously not as great of a crowd as Nationals Park, but it reminds mm. me of Nationals Park in the sense that it, it feels more modern to me. Yeah, yeah, kind it's, of. it's newer. It doesn't really have that like Camden Yards feel or. It could no, not, definitely not that. But it's also domed, which I get because you know yeah. they get a lot of rain. To, yeah. yeah, I mean they would have so many rain delays if they didn't have it. Um, but it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it's just there's no atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, atmosphere, <laughs> water, atmosphere. There's no atmosphere. There's not enough people there. People in Miami didn't even know. That, I mean, the Heat were in the playoffs, and so were the Panthers and things. The people didn't even know that Miami, the Marlins, were playing when I was right. there. So if they got, that's why I asked, like if the Marlins ever got good again, but people go out for that. And apparently it's a huge thing down there because Mark Zuckerman was telling me that, you know, the Marlins used to play where the Dolphins play. And that was North Miami, almost Fort Lauderdale. So they had a lot of fan base in Fort Lauderdale. And when they moved back down to downtown Miami, they lost a lot of that fan base. So if they ever got good again, who knows if like the Miami fans would come out. Florida's and, just and a weird, weird I mean, baseball it's a lo- area. It's a very transient city, of course. A lot of people move to Miami just to live in Miami and mm-hmm. aren't from there. So, But Great American Ballpark was beautiful. The, the air, I highly recommend it. The, the area around the stadium was very cool. You know, the Reds obviously have such a long history. Like, they're one of, if not the oldest teams in the country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've got a lot of history there. They, they show off, which is it's really nice. Um, so, yeah, I recommend um, – and, again, like I said, they won three out of four, the Nationals. So – that helps. They've made it a lot Makes more fun. Makes your job easier. Yep. Um, <laughs> couple crazy games, some high stress, high leverage moments um, on uh, over the weekend, but came in with three curly W's, and that was that was good to see. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly, since you brought it up, Terps get. I was gonna say screwed over. <laughs> I don't say know it, Bobby. That. Screwed over <laughs> by of a, a rule call that we are all too familiar with here in DC and Nationals fans. It didn't cost the Nationals back in 2019. We saw it again in Wrigley last year. Mm-hmm. Davey Martinez would have thoughts on this. A, 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 not, it wasn't a bunt, but a chopper up the line. The runner trying to reach first base. A run had scored, and they called him out for interference. Ends the inning, and Mar- Maryland gets eliminated on Monday night at, in College Park. Were you there last it night? Was, I was. And it was Oh, that place went crazy nah. when he made that call. I was so frustrated. I needed a Davey Martinez. I cannot believe that Rob Vaughn, Maryland's head coach, didn't get thrown out. In fact, I think that like he really hardly argued it. Yeah. And it, it definitely wasn't a Davey Martinez show. Um, I wanted I wanted him to go out there and pick up the base and throw it. Like, oh, it was so frustrating. And the worst part about it is it, it not only completely changes that inning, but changes the game because, like you said, a run scored. So they take away the run that... And then there's two outs. So there would have been one out, run scored, one run game, and a runner on first. Yeah, so it would have been 10-9. Terps end up losing 11-8. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, Nationals, they that, know didn't, it. that didn't come back to All bite them in, well. in the World Series. But similar play. I mean, I don't know what the runner is supposed to do. And, you know, we've had this conversation a bunch talking, you know, at the major league level, now the college level. It's just what – is he supposed to not go to the bag? That's the whole point right. of running down the baseline is to go to the bag. It's – if I'm a runner, it's not my problem if the defense can't get the ball to first base. Right. That's not my issue. My issue is my problem is getting to first. And the worst part is, I mean, the first base umpire calls him safe. Yeah. And then the home plate umpire comes down. That happened with Trey, too. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. And, yeah, what is he supposed to do? Yeah. And the, I don't think that he would would have called it if the first baseman wasn't on the ground rolling around. And then as soon as he they, he calls him out, he stands right up. It's really weird how that happens. And but. Plays, it's like when people say, like, baseball and 
basketball aren't contact sports. It's like, yes, like the name of the game isn't like football or rugby, but there is still contact. Just mm-hmm. because there's contact doesn't mean it's illegal or doesn't mean that exactly. all play has to stop. Exactly. It happens all the time. Plays at the plate. Plays at second base. This just happened to happen at first. It was frustrating. I wish that they would have just let them lose it on the field. Who knows what would have happened? Right. You know, it's it's very capable that the next two guys strike out and they're, they're out of the inning. But you just never know. And it yeah. takes away a big opportunity, the potential for a big inning there. And the Terps lose. They did put up a good fight. It was a super exciting weekend in College Park. And I think regardless, it'll still be really good for the for the school and the program. For the program, yeah. I, it's, it's tough to see a season end like that. You never want... Well, any game, but specifically a team season to end in the umpire's hands like mm-hmm. that. That's that's tough to see. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's a good future for the program. Hopefully they're moving forward. Hopefully they have a good class coming in. You feel for those seniors yep. um, who, who put together some of the best baseball Maryland's ever seen. Actually, was. And to go out like that, it's tough. I, I was worried going into Monday night's game because – Maryland used so much pitching. I mean, you had to, right? It was an elimination game Sunday they night. Had, yeah, they had and basically played a doubleheader on Sunday. So no arms. no no arms coming in. And and UConn had that one guy that pitched six innings mm-hmm. on Sunday night. So they had some fresher arms. But Maryland's offense is one of the best in the country, so they're never out of it. They just exactly and you, like you said, you never. If that eighth inning goes a different way, you never know what happens. Yeah, that game. I mean, it was going to be whoever to just. Put up, I mean, of course, it was whoever could put up the most runs. Right. But, you know, it was going to be a really high-scoring game. You've kind of felt – I also don't understand why UConn was the home team. They alternate. And I think I don't get what that. is the benefit of being – You and I are just complaining about <laughs> And you know what? And then after that, you know what? Get out your list. Yeah, now. I have Let some me. serious issues with um, the College World Series yeah, and how they structure why? this tournament. I mean, they're makes the no sense. seed. They're the host team. Yeah. They should have the benefit alternating i don't i didn't like see a number it. in front of yukon's name why are they because like to your point like it felt like whoever was going to bat last was going to exactly. win the game and yukon of course was going to bat last if, if you know maryland had tied it up or whatever mm-hmm. in the ninth or yeah, the eighth i don't i don't like that rule. that's i don't i don't understand maybe brendan mortensen knows better or maybe someone else here at Madison knows better than I tell us brendan because yeah, i don't like it i don't understand how they determine who's the home team because then maryland was the away team against wake forest Sunday afternoon, but then they were the home team against UConn Sunday night. That, again, that makes no sense to me. Right, I don't exactly. understand. Because they alternate back and forth. I, that's a dumb way to go about it. I don't it. like it. Yeah. Anyway. Nope. Anyways. We'll fix that, Bobby, when we're in charge. <laughs> yeah, when we, when we become the NCAA president. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to professional baseball. Uh, we're going to get into the Nationals, of course, their big weekend, looking ahead uh, to them finishing this home uh, road trip, I should say, actually back in Miami um, before they come home for a long homestand, which will be fun. But before we, we're going to talk about the unsung heroes. You know, we talk a lot, of course, about your Juan Sotos, your Josh Bells, your Josiah Grays, Caber Ruizes. Let's give some other guys some credit because a lot of unsung heroes, particularly in the bottom of the order, at order and the B bullpen, had some big weekends mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. So we want to discuss that. But first, some housekeeping notes. The big one really is we were trying to get this out of David Martinez all weekend. He would not commit to it. Still no official announcement, but it sounds like. Steven Strasburg could be making his season debut on Thursday in Miami, the Nationals' last game of this road trip before coming home. He threw a bullpen session reportedly on Monday. Sounds like that went well. Davey, again, did not commit. He wanted to see how his bullpen session went, but Steven Strasburg looking like a World Series MVP, as he should against minor league hitters over his last two rehab starts. 
Uh, 11 combined innings over his last two starts of just one hit ball. Was lights out at Rochester on Friday mm-hmm. night. Uh, so, Amy, we could be seeing Strauss make his season debut on Thursday. Finally. Yeah. This is so exciting to see. Um, you know, he really only had that one questionable rehab start. That start on Friday, really good. Lights out. Seemed like everything went well with the bullpen on Monday. You said he was kind of in high spirits in Cincinnati um, um, when he arrived there. So this is exciting to see a healthy Steven Strasburg and he – Kind of, they build him up rather quickly, which is yeah. which is good to see. Yeah, th- um, th- three. three three rehab starts. Mm-hmm. Um, this was kind of the target date, though. You know, mid or early June was kind of what they were hoping for. They never officially say it, but they were like, "That's the pl- if you planned out a couple of mm-hmm. rehab starts, that's uh, what it would have come up to." So, you know, yeah, di- he did look. I mean, he got in some work in the visitors' bullpen in Cincinnati on Sunday morning. Uh, Jim Hickey, pitching coach. And some others were watching him. He came in sweaty. I mean, he he, he was always sweaty. But, um, <laughs> and, you know, he was chatting with the guys. He was, you know, sitting around watching them play cards, whatever. It's not like he was just kind of sulking in his locker or you know, doing whatever. So he, he looks like he's going through his routine. And Davey says he has this new routine that he's been going through while rehabbing uh, his injury. So, yeah, everything we're going, we might hear tonight from Davey as they start this series in Miami. Um, the official determination, the Nationals have listed all of their starters for this series as to be determined. So we don't even know who's actually starting tonight. Davey had said he thinks it's going to be Johanna Don with Josiah Gray going Wednesday. Again, not official, but that, that Thursday would line up uh, because of Monday's off, today, Monday's off day, uh, would line up to be you know, Strasburg's turning the rotation after pitching last Friday. I'm just curious as to why, I mean, maybe Strasburg wants to stay on that specific schedule, but I'm curious as to why they didn't just bump it back to be, you know, the home start on, on Friday uh, to kick off the homestand. Yeah, that's a good question. But I guess, you know, him traveling to Cincinnati, yeah. it's not like, you know, that home or away thing is a, you know. And then, you know, those guys, they do like to stay on specific schedules, especially since yeah. he's coming back from an injury. I'm sure it's probably just a matter of keeping him on that schedule. That's probably the main Well, I guess point. technically, again, nothing's official, so he could still, like, that maybe bump back to, to front. Maybe, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll possible, see. Because, yeah. you know, he's not going to make another rehab start. Rochester is playing in St. Paul. I don't think you would send Steven Strasburg from Miami all the way out to Minnesota to so make a Friday rehab to start. Friday, that'll be his a whole week since his yeah. last start. But Did throw a bullpen Monday, but, but maybe he doesn't want that extra rest. He's like, mm-hmm. let me just let me just keep on my regular mm-hmm. rotation and, and go. But either way, good news. It seems like it's imminent um, that Strauss will make his season debut. Be cool to be at home, but wherever it is, we'll be looking forward to seeing Steven Strasburg because that helps out so much. I mean, Steve, like we said at the beginning of the year, this team for me personally will go as far as Steven Strasburg takes them. He's they're one of their best pitchers. This rotation obviously took a hit. No more Max Scherzer. He's their ace right now, um, or would be when he gets back. Patrick Corbin has had his struggles. Josiah Gray, Johanna Don still learning. Eric Fetty's pitched better, but um, you know he's obviously not like a front of the rotation kind of guy. Steven Strasburg is. So if he comes back, pitches well, this whole team has a different outlook. Not saying he's going to carry them to the postseason, 
But it's just it's a better team with Strasburg pitching. Well, yeah, and in, in a perfect world, you could have seen S- Steven Strasburg a week sooner, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't have fe- when they needed that fifth starter, and they wouldn't have had to throw Evan Lee out there. Of course, that's not how it didn't all work out perfectly. Yeah. But you know, Davy Martinez last week was forced with a you know a pitching predicament, and you know this week he's going to have to figure some things out and how this the rest of this rotation is going to slot moving forward. Back at Rochester, though, we had some two other impressive minor league starts. One from Cade Cavalli, now the Nationals' number two overall prospect. He's been lights out at Rochester over recently. He's only allowed two runs over his last 19 innings combined. Um, Back-to-back outings in which he completed seven innings. Saturday was technically a complete game. He went the distance because minor leagues are still using uh, seven-inning doubleheaders. It was the first game of Saturday's doubleheader for Rochester against, I think, Buffalo. Um Impressive outing by Kate Cavalli. That is a type of outing. Actually, not even that. It's the back-to-back outings of seven innings, no runs. That's the kind of outings that you want to see from Kate Cavalli. Expect for your number two overall prospect, your top pitching prospect. And that's the kind of outing, I think, that'll get him closer to the major leagues. Exactly, because last year he gets moved up to AAA. struggles a little bit to start this year. He had one good start towards the beginning of the season, and then he was really struggling, and that was a little bit of a concern because I think that pushed his schedule back. There's Again, we've said over and over there's no real rush for him, but that really pushed back, I think, our expected date for his debut, the way he struggled to start this season. So back-to-back outings, you know, not only finding success in those outings, but being able to go deep into games is really, really exciting for Kate Cavalli, and it, I'm the more consistent outings he has like that, it's just not a matter of perhaps the lineup that he's facing, whether it's strong or weak, but you know, that shows real progress for Kate Cavalli. Yeah. And then you look at, uh, I don't know how much you want to count his ERA as an indicator, but for the first time in his AAA career, it's dipped under five. Still not impressive, but that's something. And then another thing I think that is telling is his strikeout to walk ratio six to one. in that first uh, outing that went seven innings. And then on Saturday, 10 to just two walks. That shows to me that he is getting finally that command that their Nationals have been look, hoping that he gets on his pitches, being able to place his ball, use other th- other stuff other than his fastball because he's a fastball pitcher. Um, so those are all really good indicators that Keiko Valley is finally settling in and feeling more comfortable and confident at the AAA level. And then you go to Sunday, Cole Henry, who is now the Nationals' number three overall prospect, second-ranked pitcher, Got called up, made his triple-A debut Sunday for, for Rochester and pitched really, really well. I believe it was five, five scoreless, five scoreless innings, innings yep. for the Red Wings. And Cole Henry looking every bit like the top prospect that uh, the Nationals were hoping he would be. Yeah, Cole Henry, last time we talked, I don't think he had been promoted yet, and we knew it was coming uh, pretty quickly. They're careful with Cole Henry just because of his injury history. Uh, He only threw 57 pitches in those five scoreless innings, which is great because he kept his pitch count down, 36 of those for strikes. But they're still building him up, and they're careful with him, you know, how many pitches he throws. Um, and I think they were, you know, a little bit slower in moving him up to the AAA level. But it's great to see him finding that same success that he had in AA, in AAA. Um, exciting things for Cole Henry, exciting things for the Nationals. Struck out three, only walked one, only gave up three hits. So Cole Henry, an impressive made, uh, AAA debut uh, with the Red Wings, which is also a good sign. I don't know if we'll see Cole Henry this year at the major league level. We're still expecting Cavalli, but Henry might be kind of a wild card. If he continues to pitch well at AAA, and, you know, the Nationals need someone in September, maybe you could see it. But, I mean, like you, you just mentioned, 
they're going to be careful with him because of his I injury history. I almost feel like we're more it's so hard to tell because I think they are being so careful with him because this really this is the first I mean knock on wood season he's been healthy for this long. Right. Um which isn't that long which is saying something so I think they'll be careful but really where they are in the with their development how well they're pitching right now he might be more likely to see Cole Henry sooner than Kate Cavalli. I have seen fans say that they think that Cole Henry's closer or mm-hmm. maybe they're more interested in seeing Cole than than Cade right now. I mean, again, Cade is a still a young pitcher, so it's not like he's been you know pitching at the mi- minor leagues or even in college for this long. He's still learning how to pitch. Mike Rizzo has even said as much. So maybe they're not – it's two different ways of being careful with them, right? You know, you don't want to exactly. stunt Cade Cavalli's growth as a – pitcher and you don't want to rush Cole Henry back from injury so exactly. it's two different types of being patient with these guys uh moving forward but a good problem to have right you have two top prospects and I think the good way to go about for both mm-hmm. yeah but you could hopefully I think we'll see one of them we can I argue and debate or guess which one it'll be but I still think we'll see at least one mm-hmm. of these guys if not both uh probably in the second half of the season at some point yeah I'm with you because I mean why not if why not? they're there by the end of the season yeah doesn't hurt either side of the right and then one more uh, minor league note before we get back to the major league club just because we spent a whole episode on on this kid christian vaccaro who was the nationals top prospect signed once the international league or uh, international signing period opened uh and was by a couple outlets ranked as the top prospect overall of this class made his pro debut at the dominican summer league over the weekend he went two for three with a triple a double a walk a stolen base two rbis and two runs scored an impressive first outing for christian vaccaro uh one of the nationals now top prospects out of the international market yep that's exciting to see i mean sometimes we don't really hear about these international prospects for a little bit because they're still playing in the Dominican or, you know, a lot of the guys within the system here don't know as much about them as the prospects playing here. So that's exciting to see. I'm excited to see the development of Christian Vicaro as we get to see more and more of him. Yeah. And the Florida Complex League, I think, is getting underway last week or, mm-hmm. or, or upcoming. And so it would have been cool to see him get there. But before the season, John Watson, Mike Rizzo uh, and Giant Dubuque have all said that he, Christian Vaccaro is going to stay in the Dominican, at least for this season. Possibly we'll see him in the States this time next year, which will be exciting. All right, let's move on to the Major League Club. The Nationals, like we said, won three out of four in Cincinnati. Yes, Juan Soto hit a handful of home runs. Josh Bell drove in some runs. Nelson Cruz hit a home run. Uh, and drove in and had a couple of base hits. Josiah Gray pitched really well. Uh, Patrick Corbin bounced back from Rutgers. I mean, your your stars played a role, right, Amy? But the role players came up clutch in some big moments, especially late in games for the Nationals this weekend. I'm talking guys like Lane Thomas, who had a huge weekend, Michael Franco, Luis Garcia finally breaking mm-hmm. out after being called up last week. Um, and then in the bullpen, guys like Erasmo Ramirez, um, Victor Arano, who we hope feels better uh, after hurting his knee. Uh, Steve Shishek needed to close out a, a big win on Sunday. So some role players, unsung heroes that haven't got a lot of attention. We want to give some some props today because uh, the Nationals don't win three of those those three games without those guys. Yeah, I think the two most exciting names in that list on the offensive side of the ball were Luis Garcia and Lane Thomas yeah. because these are – Two guys that are getting a chance now. I think Lane played three out of four games this series. And Luis Garcia, Davey Martinez, said he's going to get a chance to play every single day while he's up here starting at shortstop. And these are two young guys that you could see with this organization 
for quite some time and to get to see them playing every day, showing improvement and becoming the real role players on this team in a road series win is exciting. Lane Thomas, of course, came over from the Cardinals last year. Never forget for John Lester. Um, (laughs) So we know he has time playing in the National League Central, but whatever reason, and I talked to Lane for a little bit uh, in Cincinnati, and he doesn't know it either. Maybe it's just, but he plays so well in National League Central parks. Check out these numbers. He He slashes 275, 374, 550 for a 923 OPS in 83 games uh, in between um, Wrigley Field, Great American Ballpark, formerly known as Miller Park, PNC Park, and Bush Stadium. I mean, he had 44 games at Bush Stadium, of course, with his time with the Cardinals, but he just plays really well. Um, maybe it's their, you know, Cincinnati is known to be a, a good hitters park. Uh, Milwaukee is huge. Uh, Wrigley is not that big. So maybe it's just, you know, luck of the draw right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, he's got 47 hits, 11 doubles, three triples, 10 homers, aided by the three he hit Friday night, uh, 25 walks, 26 runs scored, and 29 RBIs, 120, 198 plate appearances, 171 at-bats for Lane in the NL Central. I, great sign. I mean, I, I don't know why he didn't play all four games mm-hmm. with, with numbers like that, but he had multi-hit games, I think, in all three games. Um, of course, the three homers on Friday night. So Lane Thomas, and, and then he brings good defense too. He made a couple of nice catches, one a really nice sliding mm-hmm. grab in center field. He's able to shift over to left field when Victor Robles enters for defense. Lane Thomas showing his skill set and his versatility um, and, uh, over the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Went seven for 14 with three home runs, all of those coming in one game, a double and four RBIs with a walk and five runs scored in those three games. And I don't know if it's a matter of maybe the bump up in the lineup. I think he hit the two hole every game mm-hmm. that he played this weekend. Maybe it's where he's hitting in the lineup or maybe it's that he's getting an opportunity to play more consistently um, at the beginning of the season and, Yadiel Hernandez was giving, you know, putting in um, a really good reason for Davey Martinez to play him every single day. He was crushing the ball. You kind of had to put him in the lineup and find a place for him. Now he's able to find more spots for Lane Thomas, and that's less of an issue. So maybe that's part of it too. But there was a little bit of concern that the Lane Thomas that we got last year when he came over to the Nationals wasn't going to be the permanent Lane Thomas. But after this weekend, you know, maybe there's some some things coming along, and we might see that lane again. It's gonna, yeah. We've seen that he's hitting number in the two hole right now, right? Davey's not gonna move Cesar Hernandez off the leadoff spot. Mm-hmm. And we talked about there was that one game two weeks ago that Davey kind of moved things around, moved lane to leadoff spot, bumped Cesar Hernandez. Haven't seen that since. So now you're wondering, all right, can Lane Thomas be that two hitter right now? We've I think we're done with the Victor Robles hitting on top of the lineup experiment. Uh, Caber Ruiz, you know, it's interesting because he was it and he was doing pretty well, but now you get him bumped down to the six and he came up in some big spots over the weekend too and, and, and came up with some hits. So, you know, that's not a bad number six hitter if, if it's Caber Ruiz, who guy who has shown that he could also produce in the two hole. And, and then like, we, like we've talked about all the time, you get runners on base. Cesar Hernandez, Lane Time was two of the fastest guys on this team ahead of Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, Josh Bell. That's the game plan right there. That's the blueprint for this Nats offense success. Um, and, and Thomas showed that he's, he's can do it. Now, can he can do it, keep doing it throughout the rest of the season on a consistent basis? That might be tough, but Lane Thomas has 
this weekend had a really, really solid weekend, and he's earned that spot in the two-hole. Um, I would expect to see him still there uh, as we hit Miami. All right, and then you mentioned, you know, guys getting on base for the Juan Soto's yeah. of the lineup, the Nelson Cruz's of the lineup, the Josh Bell. But it was this weekend. It was the bottom of the lineup, and Michael Franco yeah. was getting on base for Luis Garcia, and that's something that we haven't really seen. You know, the the first two months of the season is guys getting on base, especially the guys at the bottom of the lineup, and yeah. setting themselves up for Luis Garcia, who had a six. He was six for fifteen this series, six for twelve in his last three games. Franco, Dave Martinez has quietly hyped him up so much this year and you know he's been batting seventh eighth whatever mm -hmm. at the bottom of the order but he's Davey has been very impressed with the way he's been putting together at bats and it kind of showed this weekend him and Luis Garcia tied the game and then gave the Nats the lead on Saturday and on Sunday yeah so they came up clutch back-to-back -back games in games where you know you had Juan Soto hit two home runs you had uh Josh Bell driving in runs early. Um, but late in games, clutch situations, bottom of the order coming up big. Franco is quietly riding a seven-game hitting streak, hitting three, uh, 393. Um, he had hits in every single game this series. We talked about the clutch ones on Saturday and Sunday. So you have that kind of veteran presence, that productive bat at the bottom of the order. That's what the Nationals brought in Michael Franco to do here. And David Martinez has been very pleased and happy with him. He's not going to draw a lot of attention. You know, you know, we're not going to be crowding his locker after every single game. But he's just quietly going about his business, playing solid defense at third, but also coming up in some big spots late in games um, and coming up clutch. Yep, and they wouldn't have been able to do as much damage as they did this weekend if Michael Franco wasn't getting on base for Luis Garcia. And then Luis Garcia, we know how well he can hit. That's his calling card. That was not going to be the issue or – or the question mark coming into his promotion um, on Wednesday uh, in New York before the Nationals went to Cincinnati. He's got a hit in every single game he's played in except for one. I mean, it's only been five so far, but he got a hit, three hits on Saturday, two hits on Sunday, four RBIs going along with Juan Soto with four RBIs on Saturday too. So Luis Garcia is showing his skill set. Now, the question, of course, is going to be defense. We'll always talk about his defense and he's shown flashes. He's shown his athleticism at shortstop. He made some really nice sliding stops uh, to his right and got getting up back up to his feet and making strong throws. He didn't always get the runner, but he's showing that ability to to do that. And he's feeling more comfortable. I talked to him in Cincinnati. You know, Davey pointed out that he is not comfortable diving for the ball. So when the ball's kind of out of reach, he either like just doesn't get it or like will go down to a knee to get, try to get it. He doesn't like yeah, diving. He said he doesn't, he needs to stay on his feet. And so, and Luis is like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not my best. It's not my favorite thing to do, but <laughs> I'm working on it. So that'll come. But the bat, the bat we know is there. And, and he showed it this weekend, three straight hits uh, over the three or uh, the last three games at, uh, at the Reds. Yeah. Drove in the game tying run on Saturday and the, the two, game winner. Yeah. And the game winner. So, and then on Sunday, really defensively, he stopped what could have been a ninth inning rally with a really nice throw. So there's defensive improvement. Yes, he's made errors. We knew that coming in. Yeah. We knew that it was gonna, there was going to be some growing pains with Luis Garcia. But all you can ask for is improvement. And I think you're really seeing that. It's like, a, I mean, again, five games, small sample size. But it's like a small microcosm of his overall season at AAA. I think he had two errors over his first three games. Mm -hmm. 
uh, at short, both throwing errors. He had a couple of errors early on in the season, like the first week or so with Rochester, and then he, he calmed down and settled in after that. He's, he's very comfortable turning the double play. He's very comfortable setting his feet. Sometimes he I, – I worry that he might be overthinking at times because you can tell. Like, he'll, he'll clean – a uh, he'll field a ball cleanly, and then he'll, like, take his time to set his feet – and throw and it sometimes gets too close for comfort the runner right. is gets close and it should be like you know you get the ball set your feet throw all in one motion but he like really kind of sits there and like focuses Takes on throwing the ball and it's glove, like yeah. all right that's all well and good like how you're like <laughs> thinking about it but don't overthink it like let it come naturally um so that's maybe my one concern but i would rather him make the play than rush and and miss mess it up yeah. right now get the ball and josh bell said too hey man just throw it to me i'll i'll I'm going to do my best to catch it. Just try to get in the general vicinity and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, what happens when Alcides Escobar comes back. But still, personally, I'd much rather see a young prospect in Luis Garcia, potentially your shortstop, your shortstop of the future, um, you know, making mistakes and crushing the bar ball than Alcides Escobar, you know, not crushing the ball and just being a fill-in at shortstop. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting call. I, I think... I, I agree. I, I hope we see Garcia. It, it, you know what? I think Gar- Louis' best bet is just to show the Nationals that you can't afford to take my bat out of mm-hmm. this lineup. If you want to win games, I provide a better bat. I am playing serviceable defense at the same level. It's not like Escobar is going to be a gold glover this year. So, you know, that's his best bet is just prove that, you know, Escobar is hitting at or below 200 all year. I can get on a hot streak and drive in some important mm-hmm. runs. Let me stay up here. And that, that'd be an interesting call once Escobar gets back from, from his injury. Hamstrings are always tricky. So, you know, you could be on that 10, 15-day IL and then come back and still have True. a tough time with it. So he might be out longer than expected. Might be fine in a couple of days. He didn't think it was too serious when it happened. Uh, but it's, it's it's a tricky injury, the hamstrings. So they'll, they'll, they'll focus on that. But it will be an interesting call once he's ready. See how Luis Garcia is doing. Do you go with the 35-year-old veteran or do you let the kid keep playing because he can hit? Right. And as long as Luis Garcia, errors are never good. But as long as he's not costing them games where it's like, why do you have this kid in there? But nobody's thinking that at this point. So as long as, you know, he does just enough at shortstop, he continues to hit. I think that has to be Uh, your answer. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you said it perfectly. Errors are never good. But I think both of his errors have come like early in the Mm -hmm. game and weren't too, too caught. There might have been one in that first game. I mean, they lost 8-1, so you can't put it all on one player. But the, I think it, he wasn't charged with an error, but he let a ball get through. And oh, then yeah. the Reds end up having a big inning. That was all the way back on Thursday. So excuse me if I'm, my mind's a little mm-hmm. blurry on that play. But it was a play he probably could – that's one of the things that Davey has mentioned because I asked him, and I was like, was that one of the issues where he should have taken a dive? And he, and he was like, yeah, like he's not comfortable doing that yet. So that's one of those – You'll learn how to dive, make that play. And that almost kind of makes it look worse, like you're loafing on balls, you know? Like yeah. you're not making the whole effort to, to try to get that. And yeah. it's shortstop. That can, it can look bad when yeah. you're not laying out for balls. So at least try to stop and keep it Right, in and field. I think that's, that's what you're teaching, right? Keep the ball in the infield because you never know what happens. You can, I mean, if the ball goes in the outfield, things can get kind of crazy. Um, but keeping the ball in the infield, even if he reaches, it's, it's, you, you can live with that. Um, but don't let – don't give away – Base hits, extra base hits, whatever it is, because that's mm-hmm. when uh, trouble really starts brewing. All right, then let's go over to um, some pitching, the bullpen performance. I mean, the national starters, f- 
for the most part, Ioana Don had some trouble on Thursday, but Josiah Gray was great Friday night. Eric Fetty and Patrick Corbin both bounced back from rough outings Saturday and Sunday. Um, So we won't talk too much about the starting pitching, but the bullpen, I mean, Davey Martinez ran through his go-to guys on from Wednesday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, each pitched three out of four days. And then Tanner Rainey pitched back-to-back days Friday night and Saturday. So they were unavailable Sunday. You you, you go to your B bullpen guys, Erasmo Ramirez, Victor Arano comes in first, shuts the door, goes back out for a second inning and gets hurt. And then Ramirez comes in. Gets a huge double play ball off Joey Votto. Gives up a run, but gets out of the inning. And then Luis Garcia's one of his insurance runs that he provided proves to be the game winner. So, again, kind of like role players combining together to, to seal yeah, the win. Yeah, he came into kind of a tough position. There were two runners on, no outs. That double play ended up being really big. That's exactly what you want in that position. Only one run ends up scoring, um, and and he gets out of that inning. So he came into a tough spot, handled it well. And these are guys that haven't pitched in high-leverage situations this year. Um, Probably to help Dave – I mean, Davey Martinez has gotten some help this year because bullpen management hasn't been that tricky because there's been games – where there are blowouts and games that they're in. There hasn't been a whole lot of games that every, like consistently three nights in a row, they're in these games. Mm -hmm. This series was different because really they were in all of these games with the exception of one really. So that forces you to use your, your, the top guys in your bullpen uh, to try to squeeze these games out. And then you, you end up on Sunday or Saturday and Sunday really. And guys that pitch back-to-back days you can't put them back out there and you're forced to put you know your beep open and it makes you a little bit worried uh with some of these names but really all of these guys stepped up and did their job and you can go back to wednesday that finale in new york where it was a close game late so davy used yep. edwards and finnegan to keep it a close game to try to win and avoid a sweep True. obviously didn't happen but that five nothing score doesn't tell the whole story because the, the Mets scored really late after Finnegan and, and Edwards were already in True. there. So you have to use these guys. You have to give them a break. Off day on Monday will help your A bullpen guys. But we, also, we should also give a shout-out to Paulo Espino, who came in on Saturday and pitched an important scoreless inning. Was it Saturday? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Saturday. It was yep. Saturday. It was a four-run game at that point. The Nats were down by four, and shout-out Mark Zuckerman and, and the Nats Chat Podcast for talking about how come Espino never gets high-leverage situations. He either comes in in a three-run or more game, which is so bizarre. But either way, he pitched an important scoreless inning, allowing the Nationals to come back and win that game. If you give up a couple of runs there, maybe the Nationals don't score enough to end up winning. What was it, the final score 10-8? to eight? Mm-hmm. At the, I mean, I know it's early, and in, and at that point, a three-four run game, four run, yeah, but yeah. you still keep it close enough, and then the offense comes up clutch later on uh, to to take take the lead and and, and win. So shout out Paulo Espino too for for what seemed like at the time a meaningless inning and a, and a kind of a blowout game turned out to be pretty big. Yep, he was able to throw a scoreless sixth on 13 pitches keep the score at 7-3 and that ended up being a very important inning and yeah Paulo Espino and he he even said I don't 
care when I go out there and pitch, which I guess he has to say, but it, it seemed like he genuinely meant it. I don't care. I'm just going to go out yeah, there yeah. and try to do the same job that I do every night. Yes, I'm pitching in a lot of blowouts, but that's the position David Martinez is putting me in. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, that helps, I guess. That, I mean, if you know that that's your kind of role. It's just curious because he pitched so many important innings last year. Yeah. You know he can do the job, but I guess, you know, you just have other guys – you know, you, you have guys like Finnegan, in. Edwards Jr., Rangy. Those are the guys that you want pitching late in games. And, and maybe it's an idea of like, hey, it's a blowout game. If you can give us a couple of innings, that way he kind of stays a little more stretched. You know, God forbid of an injury or someone doesn't go long and we need him for a handful of innings. Maybe that's the thinking behind keeping Espino out of high leverage situations. Mm-hmm. But he, numbers-wise, probably deserves a little more than he's getting. Um, but – that turned out to be a, a big inning anyway. So, he, yes, it was a four-run game at the time, but it ended up being a big inning that he closed the door on because the Nationals were able to then come back and win because he put up a zero. Right, exactly. And I don't. nobody expected Carl Edwards Jr. to come in. Uh, he's been in phenomenal. And, you know, he has been phenomenal, and he's pitching so often, and you wouldn't have expected him to come in and get as many innings as he did. So maybe that's part of the equation, and that you know takes away innings from other guys because he is doing so well, and you feel confident putting him out there, you know, several days in a row shout out to Carl Edwards Jr. since giving up three runs in his Nationals debut he vowed it would not happen again he has not given up a run since I'm knocking on woods yeah, don't jinx him, if, jinx he comes him. Out, <laughs> if he comes out tonight in Miami that is not my fault because I'm knocking on wood so he but gets that's out a of fact he hasn't yet yeah I mean he's been he's been so good I mean for a guy who signed a minor league contract in March so now being your number one setup guy to set up to Finnegan to set up to yeah. Rainey I mean that's 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 why you get guys like Carl Virginia who have veteran experience and in the hopes that they can do that because you've seen them do it before. Um, any other unsung heroes that you want to give a shout-out to who played really well this year? I mean, we can talk about that play from K-Bear Ruiz to Josh Bell to end that game on Sunday. I mean, unbelievable play. People had questions about K-Bear Ruiz's defense coming into spring training. We knew he could hit, switch hitter. We've seen him produce the ball. Hopefully the power comes. But people were wondering how well he would call games, how well he would be able to throw out runners. He leads the majors in runners thrown out. And I don't – does that – Andrew Golden of the Post and I were talking about it. Does that count as a runner thrown out, picking someone off at first, even with a runner on second? Because he wasn't attempting to steal. So, right? Yeah. It wasn't a caught stealing. Is it a caught stealing? No. So, but there's just a runner, it's just a pickoff. It's just a pickoff. Either way, it was a phenomenal play. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of cool talking to him after the game. He was saying, like, you know, they didn't give it away, but Josh and I locked eyes and we're like, let's do this. It's on. Yeah, the play's on. (laughs) Which is, yeah, so Luis Garcia had one of those those plays in the ninth inning to hold them. Cabra Ruiz, those are two young guys that that's exciting to see, especially two guys with some defensive questions. Obviously, Luis Garcia a little bit more than Cabra Ruiz, but still two guys that are questioned defensively were able to to hold the Nationals and, and let them get that win. I wonder if, I mean, because the caught stealing or runners thrown out stat is you know, so much based on opportunity. You know, some catchers don't get run on as much, so they obviously don't have as many runners thrown out. I wonder if he has so many because so many people are trying to run on him. That was the scouting report on him coming into the season, and he's just improved that much better at it because he knew that, or maybe they, they the Nationals, knew that that's what was going to happen. Guys, people were going to try to run on him because he didn't come in with strong defensive numbers from last year, and he's improved that much better uh, to lead the league 
and runners thrown yeah, out. I'm sure it's a combination between that, the pitchers that he's catching and guys feeling like they can run on them. But, I mean, I think that number is going to go down and down because he's proven that, you know, he's not one to mess with. It was clear that the Reds' game plan on Sunday against Patrick Corbin was attack the fastball and run on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's too – too, too new. I mean, just let him throw his slider. But when you get a fastball swing. Right. Um, and then, you know, they, I think they ran at least three times and were successful twice against Patrick Corbin. But Steve Shishek, who, who I actually want to talk about too, uh, was pitching obviously in the ninth. So that game plan didn't change for the Reds. They were trying to run. He had a, such a, I think it was uh, Nick Senzel, such a huge lead off first. It's like. It was a run, one run game at that point. You're the go ahead run, but the important runs at second. You can't get caught at first yeah, right there. Right. I don't know why he's taking such a big lead. And and good good on Josh Bell and Kebe Ruiz for for noticing that and throwing him out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Steve Ciszek, who had to close out that game on Sunday because Tanner Rainey had pitched in back to back back to back days. Got his on a lot of pitches too. On, yeah, on a lot of pitches. Got his first save of the season, which is good to see him because he hasn't been what the Nationals right. necessarily expected. Um, and he stepped up when they needed him to and was able to was able to uh, close out that game for them. 422 ERA for Steve Shishek. And, you know, this was one of the, I guess you can call bigger offseason signings by the Nationals. He was maybe not supposed to take over. I mean, you also think you get Shishek. Sean Doolittle, those are your setup man closer. Obviously, Dew is hurt. Steve Shishek has not played as well or pitched as well um, to start off his Nats career, but he's pitching better of late. Gave up a couple runs in New York, but the import he's getting a lot of time off in between outings, and that's mm-hmm. always kind of worrisome. That's what Davey had issues with Finnegan and Rainey early on. Right Now they pitched a lot this past week. Ciszek is a veteran, knowing how to go about his business. So, it, I mean, he gave up a run and a couple of hits mm-hmm. in that ninth inning, but settled down and was able to get out of it, thanks to Caber Ruiz and Josh Bell, but still pitched well enough to earn his first save of the season. This is a guy who has, I think, 130-plus saves in his career. So he's been in that situation before and has had success. It's not a bad thing to have in your bullpen of some veteran guys who have been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, really, he was the biggest offseason get for this bullpen. Um, and he was in the debate. Maybe could he be the Nationals' closer this year? Um, and, yeah, just like you said, him and Sean Doolittle were the big names, and then it kind of fell off. Sean Doolittle got hurt. Steve Shishak just hasn't been pitching well. But as of late, he's starting to come around, and that's good. It gives Davey Martinez more options. And then when they're, if they're going to start winning some more series and being in games and back-to-back nights – they're going to have to have more options out of this bullpen, and it'd be great if you could see Steve Sheck step up. Only one run over his past seven outings, an inning apiece, or collectively seven innings, 129 ERA, but his fielding independent pitching is 414 over that stretch. So some ben- ben- benefiting mm-hmm. for some good defense behind him, clearly, um, <laughs> on Sunday afternoon for the Nationals. Well, they take three or four against Cincinnati. They now go on to Miami. We think it's O'Donnell. Gray, Strasburg going this week. Um, and then they come home for a big week, mm-hmm. a long stretch week uh, at home. Including Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman weekend, following weekend. Um, so a lot going on around the Nationals. Stay tuned to MassInSports.com. Mark Zuckerman has your coverage from Miami. Um, we'll be here at the Masson desk on social media, at Masson Nationals across the board, at Amy Jennings News for Amy. 
I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Shout out to Brenton Mortensen for his help behind the scenes. You can catch the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to hit subscribe, like, comment along. We love to hear your feedback. And we are presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. Learn more at boldlynova.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.